Hello everyone, it's Catherine Jean and Megan Kerr and welcome to Endless Possibilities, your wellness show here on Pulse 89.9. Looking at mind, body and environmental health. Remember to like, follow and don't forget to subscribe. We want to hear from you. And of course, ask any questions you want. Everybody, everybody, let's get into it. Get stoked, get started, get started, get started. Welcome to Wellness Wednesday. You're here today on Pulse FM 89.9, Heartbeat of the Hawkesbury. And today on Wellness Wednesday, our show of endless possibilities, that's exactly what I want to talk about. Endless possibilities in regards to people living with pain. If you are someone living with pain or have a member of your family living with pain, this is definitely a show today that you do not want to miss. So, I have a special guest with me today on the line. I'd like to introduce Mrs. Joyce McSwain. Joyce is a multi-award winning clinical pharmacist and educator with the f- in the field of pain management. She is our go-to girl today. She's authored and innovated many pioneering pain programs herself for primary healthcare services in private hospitals within the pharmacy industry in Australia and Southeast Asia. Her work in pain management has been promoted by the Productivity Commission of Australia and in particular her value-based health pathways and expertise in collaborative partnerships within both primary healthcare and hospitals. She's currently is clinical program director of the Gold Coast Primary Health Network, turning pain into gain. I love the sound of that. And managing director of Painwise and president of the Australian Pain Society. In addition to her executive role, she also leads an altruistic work within regional and remote areas of Australia to improve access to pain management services in hard-to-reach areas. She has strong skills in motivational interviewing, health pathway design and translating evidence into everyday clinical relevance. And that means she's the girl that can help us in our pain. So welcome, Joyce, and thank you for joining us today in your role as president of the Australian Pain Society. Well, thanks, Megan. Um, it's a pleasure. I'm always so excited when people are interested to talk about pain. It's not always the topic you kind of choose, to be really honest. No, um, well, it's but that you typically, you know, wake up and go, oh, this hurts again. But we don't normally, you know, go out there and spread the news. Hey, I wake up with shoulder pain every day or, you know, we don't talk about it a lot, do we? No, we don't. And that's part of the problem, I think, in terms of getting help. There's a lot of enduring. There's a lot of suffering um, and there's a lot of um, loneliness in, in managing something like pain, especially when it's uh, chronic, when it's lasted for, you know, more than three to six months. It really starts to isolate um, a lot of people. Yeah, and that's a terrible thought to have, that people are literally changing their lives to not engage in living because something is hurting. Um, yeah, absolutely. And for those people, you, it is a, a pathway to to isolation, isn't it? And and uh, you know, from my point of view, I'm going to say the more isolation, the more pain. Hundred percent, yes. And it's a vicious cycle. Yes. So you then get trapped in this um, vault that kind you know kind of locks you in there. Mm. Um, sometimes without a way out or, or feeling like there is no way out. And by the time it becomes chronic, you know, to tell your story, not everybody also wants to hear you. So yeah. that's, that's even more isolating on top of that. Um, that's a bit of a cultural mm. thing too. We don't like to complain mm. much, do we? We just like to, you know, no. you know suck it up and carry on. Um, not a great way to go about it, is it? No, not at all. And I think also the interesting part with my um Clients, patients, you know, is often we apologise for how we are 
so many times people will start a sentence off with, you know, oh, I'm so sorry. It's like, wow, you know, they, they, they're really apologising for the state they're in and yet often it's no fault of their own. Yeah, that's amazing, isn't it? You're so right there. Mm. We do. That is that sort of socio-psychological um, influence going on there to apologise for not turning up 100%, which just means I really don't feel okay. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah, yeah. And that also shows a, a sense of um, disempowerment in a very subtle way. It's an indirect way um, where pain can be very disempowering. Mm. Absolutely. So, Joyce, give us an insight to the Australian Pain Society. Yeah, the Australian Pain Society, um, I've been serving there for some um, eight years now and I started giving back to the society because it gave so much to me in the the many years before in terms of um, my work in pain management. Uh, as a clinician back when, so some 20 years ago, I started my work in pain management in regional areas as part of my um, bio said, I was isolated as a clinician. I had nobody wanting to play with me, <laughs> nobody <laughs> thinking I knew that much in pain management. Mm. So it was... Um, it was looking through the, the info of the society that gave me a lot of insight, a lot of learning um, in the beginning sort of by myself really, but they had really good content. So the Australian Pain Society is a multidisciplinary, so that means a mixed bag of different healthcare professionals who have an interest in pain, who come together to learn together at our annual conference, um, who basically, you know, try to support each other in the work that we do out there in pain management and to grow our own body of knowledge and workforce capacity in being able to sort of serve the needs of um, people in pain. Mm. Yeah, wow. Um, and how wonderful that, that those people exist that are interested enough to want to do something, you know. Um multidisciplinary talk to us about some of who's involved in that network who who, mm -hmm. who are yeah. we talking about yeah multidisciplinary is this really big long word um and as the word says it's multi so there's many many different um uh you know allied health to medical uh disciplines um and disciplines is obviously the the background that we all come from so it's essentially um, you know, pharmacists, it involves uh, doctors like medical doctors, whether it's your GP or even your specialist. It can be rehab specialists. It can be um, sports medicine. It can be also orthopedics or pain specialists and neurologists. So that's in the medical. And then it can also be uh, we've got a huge contingent of um, allied health, so we've got physios, exercise physiologists, uh, psychologists, all the important, I think, um, scientific members of the healthcare team that can surround somebody in their um, in their management. Now, it doesn't mean they all need them all at once, but somewhere along the journey of chronic care, um, chronic disease, chronic pain, that's when, you know, some of them may be needed. And this is where, you know, the society house all these like-minded folk um, that are pretty much singing from a similar song sheet. Um, and but have but individually though, we still will have perspectives of our own based on our own expert background yeah so it's almost like a nice nice tasty salad yeah, it sounds like it, yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah and it's very collegial and the beauty of the society is we can all reach as members of course we can reach out to each other um for support or for knowledge um to help us do what we do better yeah, look, I, as a practitioner, hand on heart, can say there's no greater teacher than the client that walks through the door to teach you something you don't know yet. Um, Absolutely. So mm. having that that network um, with the society there is is just fantastic to have all those different mindsets coming together um, to help come up with, you know, solutions. Yep, it's invaluable mm. and it's, it's, it's enriches our learning process, but it also enriches what we can, you know, serve and give to our patients. So we might not, for example, you know, as a background as a pharmacist, sure, I have expertise in medication. However, you know, sometimes in the day I will have to talk about 
diet or nutrition and not that I'm playing a dietitian but having some background and some knowledge because I've learnt from my dietitian friends you know has that sort of grey zone where we can give um, insights and information that then the patient can take away and do something with. Um, so it's not necessarily you have to see a dietitian um, with with some small information, but it also encourages what we call self-management, which means that the ownership and control goes back to the patient as well because often in pain you, you lose control. Yeah. You feel like you lose control, right? Absolutely. And Yeah, so it... it Imparting information that might be um, that is you know relevant that may not necessarily come from the discipline itself or whatever need at that time um, can be very useful. That said, if they need very specific you know tailoring of dietetics advice, then of course going to um, you know a one-on-one with a dietitian can be also um, very valuable. So yeah, so we kind of into interplay um, what we offer to the client when we work with a multidisciplinary mindset. And I think being in the society sort of reinforces that. Um, Healthcare is also quite silo in itself um, historically. So it almost forces us to really work in a more inclusive um, way of our peers. Yeah, and I think you've touched on a really good point and, and something that um, we were having a quick chat about before is that when you are living in, in pain, you tend to, yes, feel like you shouldn't be complaining, um, but you may say something to your best mate or to your neighbour and they may say, oh, hey, well, I tried this or I know so-and-so's brothers, sisters, whatever's that have done this um, – but we don't always go and seek the right information that could be for us. Correct. Mm. Yes. And that touches, I think, on um, what we call evidence-based medicine um, or evidence-informed at the very least. What that means is, um, you know, science has done some work, not 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 all, all works, but some good work in helping us to understand within each sort of treatment pathway or option, what might be more scientifically beneficial mm. and what might be more uh, snake oil or hearsay. Yeah. Now, um, I'll talk a bit about both yeah. and, and, and sometimes both are relevant depending on the person. Mm. So, for example, if, you know, we're talking about um, something as simple as breathing, let's say. So often in pain management, we will hold our breath because we are, you know, feeling tight, we're guarded, we're anxious. Mm. So biologically, we will all as humans sort of hold our breath. So that's very much part of our fight and flight system that is inbuilt in us. So what has been scientifically proven that if we, know how to breathe properly and learn how to breathe um, with that technique, whether you learn it from a physio, whether you learn it from a psychologist, but intentionally know that you do breath hold when you're in pain and intentionally breathe and mindfully, that's a big word in pain management, mindfully think about the breathing, that can actually reduce pain and that can really oxygenate you and relax you. So that's been scientifically proven. So for example, you know, that's a really important thing to learn the skill of. Yeah, yeah, so so there can be other beliefs though that might come into play, like you say, hearsay from, you know, Annie Marge next door or, you know, the the friend twice removed who also has a really good intention to help you, but it may be less evidence-based and it might be more specific to them. Um, not to rule out that it doesn't work because how can you refute someone when they say, you know, when they say, look, celery, you know, celery juice works for me. And celery does work for inflammation, right? But you've got to eat eat a lot of it. So it's It's a lot of celery juice. (laughs) (laughs) So, so that, that, but the high evidence on that for, for example, I don't know, osteoarthritis, Mm. definitively, we probably can't say that it's been, um, 
research sufficiently to kind of go that to definitive for everybody. So science has this realm of, I suppose, levels of evidence, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, now, don't get me wrong, I'm not saying for those who are who believe and take, you know, celery juice or eat celery tablets for their arthritis that it, it's not working. Absolutely, if it works for you, it works for you. I'm no one to tell you that it doesn't. But what I'm saying is that, you know, that level of evidence as you think about it, um, it's really important as a consumer to sort of weigh that up and go, look, for me, is there enough evidence for that? If you're willing to try, try. But you must give yourself um you know, knowledge and time to go, look, it didn't really work. I tried it for this amount of time. I'll let that one go. Because otherwise what we find is people tend to end up, you know, taking all this stuff and believing in all this stuff and it's very expensive. Mm. So you've got to use evidence to a certain degree to weigh it up and then you've got to use your own personal checkpoints to weigh it up. Yeah, and it um, might also be just the, the point that, well, you you might be taking 20 things, but actually if you come down to these three, these three are your most effective. Correct, yeah. correct, for the type of pain you have. Exactly. And that's really important mm. because our body is incredibly complex and every kind of pain experience or pain sensation has often a different generator. Mm. It can be from stress, it can be from a mechanical change, it can be from a nerve injury. So we've got so many, um, or it can be from you know muscular inflammation, and that can all happen all at once in a single body. Yes. <laughs> depending on, <laughs> depending on you know, obviously, unfortunately, but depending on the injury. So it's really important to identify that, um, and also above all to learn the skills that aren't always just about drugs, you know, to learn the skills um, that help our whole nervous system, our brain, our body, our mind to know how to also cope um, with yeah. those days of suffering. You've touched on that before, those, um, those psychological influences of living mm-hmm. with pain and, mm-hmm. and the amount of pain that then happens as, as we progress to a life with pain. You know, I, I think there's nothing worse to imagine than defining every day by the level of pain, but is, is reality for, for many, many people. Um, that's correct, yeah. And, and that produces that stuckness that we talked about. So for people that need more info, like they've they've accepted where they're at, but, you know, every day is just a struggle, what would you suggest they should do? Yeah, often people know some of the things that they're already doing that has worked before. I suggest typically that they sit down, and write down all the things that they find have already worked for them. Now, it can be the simplest thing as, okay, when I get anxious and my pain goes up, I'm going to, I breathe, breathing works for me. Or it might be, typically people will say to me, oh, that hot shower in the morning, man, that really starts my engine and that works for me. Mm-hmm. So write down and, and don't discount all the what I call little percentages because those little percentages add up to become, you know, a 30% pain reduction, a 40% pain reduction. So it's very, very helpful for people, um, first of all, Trust that you know yourselves. You do. Do not let anybody sort of, you know, discount that. Mm. Therefore, write down all the things that you already know works. And that's a really good starting point because when you know, um, and certainly also the gaps, you know, where are the areas where you just hit a wall and go, gee, I really have no plan for that one. So just reflect a little bit. Because that will just clear a bit of the cloud. Because if you just say, oh, I, you know, pain's bad or my pain is, is, is just out of control. Well, we all get up. We all have to go through days and we've got, all got to survive. Now, in order for us to do that, we are, we must be doing something right, right? To get up and read. So let's relook at what enables that, first of all. And then it'll become clearer the gaps that are still outstanding. And those are the gaps where you then go, right, I'm going to look at that. So a really good example is, you know, for example, as I said, you know, you might get up and you might go for a hot shower and you go, gee, that really starts my engine off. Well, that that stays on your list. 
that your routine and you don't move from that until you've had that nice, warm, you know, shower. But you could breathe in the shower as well. So that's going to add more to that lovely start of the day. But you may get through the day and you go, gosh, I'm, I just get tired really easily. So that could be one of the gaps. Then you can look at that and go, well, what do I do when I'm getting tired? What have I done that has helped that? Or am I stuck and do I need help there? And then that's where you can go, right, how can I get more help in that knowledge bank that needs a bit more? So, and that might be nutrition, that might be, um, you know, checking your blood test to make sure that there aren't essential vitamins, minerals and a deficit. It might be more getting healthcare support from you know, looking at that area. So, um, or you might be just doing too much and it may be learning how to mm. just repace those days a little bit better. So this, this is how I help patients to start. Start by looking at what's already working mm. and then start to identify the gaps and then stick to a routine is really, really helpful of the things that are already working. And already like, does that not give you a sense of control? Like, oh, absolutely right there. Yeah, it's handing the ball right over, right to say, "Hey, mm-hmm. you've got this." And I love that you said, "Don't let anyone discount anything that might be working for you." Uh, absolutely, it, it all counts. Thing, yeah, it can be the littlest thing. Absolutely, I have a patient who told me and taught me and talk about teaching and learning from my patients. Um, he said, "You know, it's a hot shower and the googie egg in the morning," and I cannot forget that it's just a hot shower <laughs> and the googie egg. The eggs are protein. He said, I don't start my day without my egg. I'm like, great. And he's got all these. And he can sometimes wake up in in a lot of pain. So he boils up a whole heap of eggs ready to go in the fridge. So he's already already problem solved that. So he said, if I can just have my cup of coffee, my egg, and my hot shower in the morning, at least I know I can get my head above water. And that's really, that's even before he takes his meds, you know. So he doesn't wake up to reach out for his meds like he used to do in the heydays. That was his, like, only go-to. And that would, for him, it made him very drowsy, which meant that he then didn't eat anything in the morning. So through identifying what he enjoyed, because he loves his eggs in the morning, and reverse engineering a little bit of that, it now means he's got that order and by the time he takes his medicines, which he needs to, he then is more energized, you know, has a bit more energy in him. The meds kick in. He's good for the day, um, at least till 12 o'clock. And then he reviews what happens for the next part of the day. Yeah, <laughs> so yeah. it's, that's also very good in terms of segmenting your day into chunks because we can wake up and look at the whole day ahead and go, oh, my God, here we go again. But what I tend to get patients to do is look at truncating that clock. Mm. So it's not so... Taking little steps and, yeah, the the bite-sized chunks. Yeah, yeah, and again, that's part of empowerment. So it's not overwhelming and your brain and body goes, I can do this, so it remains really positive and it just works in little segments and also it allows you to be what we call mindful. I know that word comes and goes in, Mm. you know, different elements of well-being and fields, but the way to do it is to practice it. It's not so much to sit, you know, for an hour to do it always. And that is also part of mindfulness because you you might check in your clock at 12 noon and go, right, checking in, how am I feeling now? You know, what is today like? Did I have too big a morning? Do I need to reset and do I need to just, you know, put my feet up and enjoy a little, uh, you know, deserved, um, you know, kit for 45 minutes. Don't sleep for too long. But it may be just a shut eye, not even a sleep, you know, shut eye, breathing, nice music in the background just to reset. And then you then can organize your next three hours of the day. So that, that just re- that's, all, that's just mindfulness. Mm. That's just easy to do real life practical mindfulness that you can do with the clock. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. Look, that's fabulous advice. I'm just going to hold us up there and uh, let our sponsors get a little bit of airtime as we um, are supported so beautifully by them. So just stay on the line with us if you don't mind, Joyce. Sure. The Pulse of the Hawkesbury, Pulse 89.9. It's time for a signage revamp. Contact Glenn from Sign It Graphics, proudly based in the Hawkesbury with over 15 years' experience in the signage game. 
From car decals, shop frontages to industrial work, nothing is too big or too small. Contact Glenn at signitgraphics.com.au. It's time to get the attention your business deserves. If you only carry one thing through your life, let it be hope. Better things are always ahead. Hope for you can get you through the toughest of times. Strength when any challenge comes your way. The Hope For You Foundation, supporting those affected by suicide. Hopeforyou.com.au 24-7 support line 1-800-HOPE-FOR-YOU There's always hope. Hope for you. A community service announcement. And welcome back to Pulse FM. We're here talking with Joyce McSwain from the Australian Pain Society. And Joyce, so far it's been a wonderful conversation and really enlightening about how people can get control of their days and the things that they could actually get involved in to to be mindful, to, you know, use the clock, use the things that are already working for you. Um, but how do we get that information about what else can we do? Yeah, excellent question. And this comes down to obviously finding um, the right people in your team that can help you. Uh, people do need people, um, and I think it's very helpful to identify, you know, your gaps, as I was talking about before. Now, there is a myriad of lots of really good information online these days, and so certainly you can start by, you know, uh, reading from credible websites, and of course, that's always really important. Credible websites, um, for example, you know, Australian Pain Management Association has some good information. Health Direct has some good information. Some of the good um, national medical uh, consumer medical sites are actually very, very helpful. Um, that's it. And in each state and territory, um, there will also be some really good chronic pain information. And it, it really, they're usually on the first page of your Googling. Now, that said, once you sort of get some general information from there and you identify, look, I really need to find somebody to really work on whatever it is, my diet, my breathing skills, my whatever, then Locally, best to stay local because it's easy to get to, it's accessible. Locally, certainly talk to your doctor to, to find out whether within their networks, talk to your pharmacist or the locals, you know, to find out, hey, do you have a colleague who does this? Would they be able to help me? No doubt there will be a fee to that kind of consultation and advice, but often, um, Go with a goal in mind so that you're not having this never-ending string of spending. You might be very targeted and go, look, I've heard this morning that, yeah, I really want to make sure I'm breathing right. Psychologists are great for that. So go and ask them um, for maybe a, a referral to a psychologist and see what Medicare rebates you can get. Make sure you like the practitioner. Um, always and- good advice, yes. <laughs> You've got to work with them too. <laughs> Yes, that's right. And you be the judge. You be the judge. That's really critical because if I recommend something, someone to my patient, I always say, look, in my thoughts, I think this one's a good match for you. However, you be the judge. If you don't you know, feel you can work with them, it's okay. Let me know. I'll recommend somebody else because who I think is great doesn't mean you will, and that's also part of that empowerment for the patient as well, for the client, to go, no, I'm not really okay with that. And it's really important as you recruit your care team who's going to coach you through this that you are okay with them. So don't be afraid and and also don't be disheartened Mm -hmm. that just because that person isn't right for you that there won't be a somebody else. Mm. Um, do do stay, you know, and, and be very um, honest with them as well to go, look, I've had bad experiences before. Just letting you know I am open to give this a chance for sure because I know I'd like to learn more. Can you, you know, is it okay if I'm honest back with you? So I think clinicians usually and patients usually, there's a, a 
era of honesty and truth, um, usually, you know, you can get far and, and go with a certain goal. So then you're not aimless, they're not aimless, expectations are all, you know, adjusted for, and you'll have a generally a really good experience. Yeah, and you've touched on um, a few things there. And look, I'm thinking of, you know, I'm going to say my parents' generation where they would turn up and have full expectation that this is the magic person that's going to help change my life around and then be sadly disappointed. And it's not necessarily a, a fact of the practitioner. It just may be the not the right one for them. Correct. Yeah. And people are very different in how they communicate, you know, body language. Um, and we know that with communication, majority of that is body language. You know, you might have somebody who is a real hugger. You might have somebody who doesn't do that, you know, and that can be cultural, right? Yeah, absolutely. So again, it depends on that um, finding the fit and it's okay if the fit doesn't always work out first time, but it doesn't mean not finding the support that you need as well. Um, and maybe to start off with, you know, be quite clear to whoever's recommending what you do and don't like. That way they can try and narrow that person down in their network a little bit more for you as well. Yeah. And do some research, you know, obviously a lot of people's profiles are now online, but don't, don't believe everything you read. <laughs> but certainly it's usually, you know, not a bad place to start. Um, the other helpful one is I'm also mindful of, you know, money spent going to the so-called wrong practitioner or the, the one that, that doesn't fit you. It can be mistakes, can't it? <laughs> it can be. And that's also part of, yeah, and you can get really disempowered there. Mm. One way I explain to patients to try to mitigate that is to ring the reception of that service and even just spend a moment just to explain to them what you're looking for. And typically they'll know their practitioners really well. So many times I've done that for myself and they've gone, well, actually what you're describing I think fits, you know, Joe better than, you know, Sally, would you would you consider Joe? So, I mean, not divulging, you know, private information to a receptionist, but often it can be not a bad way because they already know their practitioner. Yeah, so and, you and can just, just give- say to people, don't be afraid to ask for what you need. You know, if, if you mm-hmm. do that ringing around, don't be afraid to say, look, I'm looking for somebody that I'm going to turn mm-hmm. up. I'm going to tell you what's going on in 10 minutes. I just want the info mm-hmm. and I'm out the door versus mm-hmm. I'm going to turn up. I want to have that time to go through everything that's been going on. I'm keeping a diary mm-hmm. and I want that practitioner to get involved in in my day-to-day, you know. Mm-hmm. It's very, a very different ask, isn't it, and a very different expectation. Absolutely. And at that first point, if they cannot give you time to explain your needs, then it really is a very poor representation of the service. Mm-hmm. Um, and unfortunately, you know, it, that may give people a, you know, a, a bad sort of feeling to start off with. Um, and, and maybe that is part of also you, how you judge, you know, yeah. the service. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, and that's, that's okay too. I think healthcare has really got to get a lot better in standard of care as well because often patients feel so vulnerable that they're, as I said, they're already apologising for coming, Mm. apologising, I'm so sorry, I need your help. It's like, "Mm, Mm. why are you sorry? You're supposed to be business for me, you know? So I think... you're here. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. So it's so important from someone in my, you know, my area of expertise almost encouraging consumers to please, you know, um, do do um, do speak up, do advocate for yourself. And we can do that in a very, you know, very polite way. We don't have to be, you know, aggressive or gung-ho about it. We can and, – and if you're nervous about it because you're like, oh, my goodness, like this sounds amazing, but, geez, I've never stood up for myself before, then just write down, write a little script. Yeah. Just write down. Great and advice. even in yep. – in point form, you know, because anxiety can get your words all muddled and mm. you're there and you're anxious and you're thinking, oh, my gosh, I don't want to not get help, and I, but I don't really want to annoy them either and I don't want to talk yeah. too much and too little. Just write down so that it's clear for you and then have it with you even in a doctor's appointment or your first appointment or that first phone call. Just order your thoughts. Um 
And don't apologize for doing that. So many people even come to me with those notes and say, look, I'm really sorry. I've got to read from my notes. I'm like, that's a plus. Yeah, like, what awesome. are you sorry for? <laughs> that's so like, that's, that's uh, that tells on me. Track. You're going to get answers to everything that you need to hear about. Uh, that's a fantastic thing to do. Yes. And the healthcare professional, what that tells them as well is they're like, wow, I'm going to be working with a really proactive client already, how lucky am I, you know? And when I'm teaching them from the other angle, I'm really, you know, also empowering the healthcare professionals to, it's a service, right? Mm. So if you're serving, you've got to have some humility in that and you've got to really make sure that you're feeling quite honoured that someone is actually going to be recruiting your help. So it's a bi-directional relationship but the patient or client can certainly start it off on the front foot by having things like their, the notes they want to talk about. Yeah, mm, if you've turned up with your notes and you've actually spent some time noting those days doing that journaling process, which can mm-hmm. bring a lot of awareness for a person. Um, and mm-hmm. That's fa- fabulous advice to start with doing that journaling, you know, in the morning, here's what I do, here's my routine, here's what works, here's what f- when it feels really bad. This day was worse than the other day and I don't know what's gone on. And that's, mm-hmm. that's all okay to come with that information. Uh, mm-hmm. Absolutely. It, you don't just- yeah, you don't have to come with years of data, but no. certainly a, 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 that's also overwhelming. <laughs> that's correct. Consolidate down to, yes, what a, a more challenging week looks like or what a more challenging day. And what you bring to the solution that sometimes works, sometimes doesn't work, doesn't matter, and where are the gaps of going, well, this is where I'm really stuck. So it helps everybody be able to problem solve together. Mm-hmm. Mm. So I, I noticed, Joyce, that um, when I was looking through all the information on your website, there's mm-hmm. a few like national type programs that are referred to. Uh, Painwise mm-hmm. was one of them. And do you want to tell us a bit about what they are and how they came about? Yeah, absolutely. So um, programs are very useful because they can be very educational and they do provide some kind of order to start off with when pain can be such a combobulated mess of where do I start. So bringing about, and there was also scientific evidence that people who attended or could access programs can really, you know, have a place to make a front foot start. So there was a lot of scientific evidence coming from, you know, places like Stanford University that did a lot of the early works in programs for patients. Mm-hmm. And really what we've done, and taking that evidence, what we've done is created, I suppose, programs that are accessible, that they're not exhaustive by any means, um, but they're at least accessible to people to start to understand their pain, to start to really have a pathway forward for doing the things I talked about this morning, ordering their, you know, things that work and things that don't work and then finding help. So we've created, um, within PainWise itself, we've created um, Conquer Your Pain, for example, which is a community, regional community-based education program, as well as, you know, it's got a whole raft of different movements, um, videos, uh, techniques for breathing videos, things that you can self guide and self-lead. So those are things that are online. Then you've got other things that are more in-person. So we've also created in partnership usually with, um, you know, government bodies like primary healthcare networks and communities to have almost like a a in-person clinic-based type of program. Again, it's less medical. It's more about education and it's more about navigation to the things I talked about, so the skills that people need. Um, There is a little bit of clinical stuff there. Then there's also um, more hospital clinic-based type of programs that also do exist. They can be a little bit longer in wait list. So there's a whole variety of access points. And then not forgetting, um, away from just our work, 
not forgetting consumer advocacy groups like Chronic Pain Australia, like Australian Pain Management Association, who have support groups on the ground. Yeah, and they are they're in the harder community now. They're more um, they're, they're less clinical, but they're definitely great for peer to peer support. Mm. Um, yeah, so there's a whole raft of variety of things, and you know, in a person's journey, say one of my patients, they could be doing all of them in different parts of their not all of them at once, mm. but all of them in different parts of their journey of pain. Mm. Mm. So I'm just going to call those out again. The Australian Pain Management Association, you can look them up online, people. And Correct. Chronic Pain and Chronic Pain Australia. You can mm-hmm. also go to the PainWise website, which is painwise.com.au, and get this information for yourself. Um, there's a lot. It, it's a great website. I'm just have, having a quick look at through there. Um, but as you said, there's there's stuff available at people's fingertips. You don't have to be um, in the face of a clinician each day or seeing your doctor five times a week to be able to manage your way through. Um, and I think Absolutely. that is, you know, knowing that you can do things to support yourself and there's information online out there as well as that backup from your face-to-face team. And I'm picking up on what you said earlier. It is about getting the right team on board, yeah. Absolutely, yes. And I think, you know, patients I find often find the solutions themselves eventually. Trust yourself, um, trust your body, and certainly get the coaches, you know, the clinical coaches that you need along the way. But by and large, it's, it's less, it's more about you and less about them. They're just going to add the tools into, you know, to help you. Um, and, and for a time frame, they might be in your life, but they're not to be relied on. Um, as in for the whole trajectory of your journey and it's, right. it's okay, it's, it's dynamic, you know. Mm-hmm. It's just for now. We're not going to be this way forever. It's just where you're at right now and every time that you get up and make a step, make an inquiry, just get curious because mm-hmm. to know that um, people like yourself, Joyce, and the Australian Pain Society who also gets information internationally that feeds into the services that are available to us all, um, you know, you know that there's a lot of people working out there for you. Absolutely. And can I just, you know, also say that the the um, incoming research for pain and understanding it more and finding, you know, different treatment options is growing. It is absolutely growing. Um and so, and it's not just medicines alone, you know, different modalities, whether it's photomodulation using, you know, different frequency waves, whether it's, um, and, and, you know, whether it's, it's a form of heat therapy, whether it's a type of exercise or whether it's a type of te- psychological technique. And maybe if it, you know, also types of medicines are really starting to change in how we traditionally did it. So I think we're going to go into a nice new era and generation of it. Um, and not that we hunt for cure, we don't. We we really look at putting it all together, all the parts of the, the puzzle together to add the percentages up. That's how we should look at management. Um, and we are seeing pain reverse in some types of pain. We absolutely are. I wouldn't be having saying that like 20 years ago. I wouldn't have that confidence to say that from what we could see then. Yeah, and that's but what, now, that's what I was just thinking. How, it's, isn't that wonderful how we've seen things change? Because, yeah, you're right. 20 years ago it was, okay, well, we're running out of options. Mm-hmm, <laughs> and now we're absolutely. having conversations about options, including things like frequency waves as an energy practitioner that's, right up my alley so Mm -hmm. (laughs) um, understanding that you know the mindset's changing and what can work for you now isn't just um, what can be written on a script absolutely and our body's going to improve and change over time as well so as it improves you recruit other you know things to, to to help and do and just as long as there's those little little incremental steps um but starting with what works i think as i said before is really good place to start because the body in itself will acknowledge that you know right down to our cell level it'll take confidence in that 
and it will it'll guide you. It'll lead you along the way with, with good helpers along the side. We are very accessible as well, um, as you were saying. Sometimes on a on a phone chat like this, you know, you feel like, oh, wow, she's there and she's so great, but she's right over there and I can't reach her. The fact is all these practitioners, you know, all our networks are very accessible to the nation. So reach out, whether it's at the society level, whether it's, you know, our own website, just reach out so we can navigate people properly to your own local help if we need to. Um, but, yeah, by all means, don't be alone. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And that's some um, fabulous advice. Don't be alone. Don't isolate yourself. Um, ask and and do that offer of getting in contact, uh, Joyce, is just fantastic. So that's the Australian Pain Society. Um I would like to ask you something, Joyce, if you don't mind. Of course. What got you into interested in pain? Yeah, great question. And I grew up unbeknown to me that one day it would be part of my purpose. I grew up as a child carer for my mother who lives with pain. She had a workplace injury from as little as I can remember, like I could have been maybe four or five years old. She was a nurse. Um, and really growing up, I knew nothing more than my mum being in pain. But one thing was fascinating, whereby she was the most self-managed person, and I didn't even know the word was self-management in the day. Just she was mum did, right? <laughs> exactly. You know what mums are amazing at. They're just survivors, right? Yeah. They work, they feed you, Bunker. they get up. They get up in the middle of the night, all the above. So, you know, amazing for mums out there. I just lived with that. Of course, as we grew up, you know, there were things I needed to do for her on a day-to-day basis that I just did. So I suppose there'd be days when we come back and, you know, she'd be maybe a little bit more tired and in bed and we would sort of take over doing some stuff. So I suppose we had a very carer role very early, yep. unbeknown to us. Yep. Um, and, and so I suppose that was a back influence um, and I I didn't do pain straight up as a as a early grad I was very much in aged care okay. as my first area of expertise but it was in aged care that pain started to creep in as a um, as a repeated question and I sort of went oh well pain gee that's normal I I, I get it like this is normal to me yeah. I know what to do in pain management but it was so innate to me that I didn't realize that pain management was so foreign to Mm. so many other people. So when I looked at what then we did for pain, even in my own work, it was all about medicines. Mm. And and, and as a pharmacist, I went, "Mm, that's a bit disconnected. Hang on. (laughs) Mum doesn't do that. How, 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 yeah, so it was... Believe it or not, it sort of suddenly clicked in my mind yeah. that, wow, pain's managed quite differently. I thought everybody did what mum did, you know, <laughs> and then realized that there was this huge gap in the understanding of management and self-management and a huge reliance on medication, which I never grew up observing at all in my mother. So it was very interesting that... A lot to thank your mum for, don't we? (laughs) (laughs) Perhaps. And I didn't even realise that myself. And she's still such a trooper, you know. She's still in huge amounts of pain. But just, I think, the mindset, you know, her way of management, her belief systems really were the medicine, to be honest, of all these years. And nothing really, there's nothing she we grew up with that she couldn't do or wouldn't do. You know, she did things maybe slightly differently now that I think back, yeah. but it wasn't ever not done. So that's such a conquerous journey. And actually part of our community access um, program, um, the PainWise Community Pain Support Initiative, is called Conquer Your Pain because of that kind of, uh, you know, because actually it was inspired by her because I'm like, she's just such a conqueror. There's nothing I think she's not been able to ever do that wasn't, you know, that was limiting, let's say, you know, um, or that was of her interest. Yeah, yeah, so it was quite, um, it was, and you will find that people typically will get into an area, passion area. I think sometimes Mm -hmm. indirectly or 
or directly through a lived experience. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, yeah, but it wasn't obvious to me. Um, maybe I'm just slow, but it, <laughs> it wasn't obvious to me you know, because it was so almost it was so natural. I was say, she did a really was, good job of it, yeah. <laughs> she did a really yeah, good job managing that pain. Oh, hundred percent. And mm. till today sometimes I think back and go, you know, what would mum do here? Mm. Yeah. <laughs> and I I think that's just again, I think it was cultural, as I said, it was part of her very strong belief system. Um and maybe a lot of common sense. So it, it really was um, probably the beginning of the manuscripts I had. Um, though scientifically, it does look a little different. So it's almost now translating it and looking at the science and also bringing it back from that angle as well. But the two does meet, and um, I suppose that's what allows us to formulate the different programs that we create over time. Mm. Yeah, fantastic. And it, and the multidisciplinary approach um, really mm-hmm. just opening up the mindset of people of there is more than one solution to a problem mm-hmm. and you have to yeah. find what's right for you. So go out there, ask more questions, people, is what I'm going to um, leave you with today. And, and Joyce, I want to really thank you again. Um, is there anything else you'd like to share with us before we wrap up today? No, not at all. I think you've covered it really, really well. I really thank you for the opportunity to speak about this um, this area of management. And I think, you know, there's got to be more talk about it, more awareness about it. Don't be afraid to discuss it over the dinner table or within limit. <laughs> but, you know, don't, <laughs> I mean, in a, in a positive way, don't, don't be afraid to bring it up in conversations because I think it's with conversations that we can change what the, the the current situation is and also what access looks like and perhaps even, you know, influence funding to access, but also know that you can find solutions today mm-hmm. yourself um, and you don't have to be reliant just on the system. The system is helpful, but, you know, if we rely on the system, meaning funding systems to help us, we could be waiting a long time. Mm-hmm. So be part of your own solution and, um, yeah, keep having conversations about it because I think together we'll, we'll conquer. You know, together we'll do this for the generations ahead. Absolutely. Fantastic, Joyce. Thank you again for joining us today. And um, if anyone needs to reach out to Joyce and the Australian Pain Society, um, you can look them up online at the AustralianPainSociety.com.au. Um, you can look up that PainWise uh, program on PainWise.com.au or any support from the Australian Pain Management Association or Chronic Pain Australia. Don't be afraid to ask. Thanks, Megan. Thanks again, Joyce. Everybody is getting to it. Get stoked.